0: Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Harrison Thurman. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show... Welcome! Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. This week, my friend Steve is on the show. Steve Larusa? Larussa? La Actually, I don't know how you pronounce Steve's last name. And Steve, I'm sorry, but I, I, I it probably doesn't matter that much. Anyways, Steve is someone who I have known for several years, but actually, (laughs) kind of a weird trend on the show recently, this is the first conversation I've ever had with Steve in person. We have, uh, you know, modern age, uh, you could be friends with somebody online, and, you know, exchange a lot of different conversations, talk about movies you like, music you like, joke about shit, and, you know, be homies with someone without ever fucking meeting them and that's the case today with Steve is that you know I just said this is the first conversation me and Steve ever had in person and I've seen his fucking band play I've seen them play multiple times and I've still never said hi to him it's just I don't know but we fucking fixed it and you're gonna hear it uh for those of you who don't know Steve I just mentioned he's in a band he plays in the band Mace Ballard plays drums He's in uh, another project, which I think he talks about on this episode, and he does some other, st- I don't want to spoil it. I do not want to spoil the fun. That's why we're here. You're going to listen to the conversation. So yeah. Um, one last thing that I should mention before we get into everything is that we actually recorded this episode inside Black Forge Coffee House. Shout outs to Ashley and Nick. They're the homies for life. If you haven't been to Black Forge coffee House, go. This is not a paid, sponsored advertisement. I genuinely just want people to fucking go to that place because it's the best. Ashley and Nick are great. The coffee's great. They have great snacks and things. But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. Just wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode inside of the coffee shop during business hours, so you might hear... Some background noise here and there, but it's not too bad. I just wanna wanted to paint a picture for you. Me and Steve inside the coffee shop, drinking iced drinks, and talking about the things that we talk about. So, you know, if you're new to this podcast and you're new to me in general, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Sykes. There's also a Facebook page specifically for the podcast. It's Start the Beat with Sykes. If you're listening to this on iTunes or you're, you know, someone who has iTunes, just be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And last but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can find at epicastnetwork.com. So yeah. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, kind of like a, just a casual conversation, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I feel like I know you somehow, just because we interact so much yeah. online. But I feel like <laughs> this is like the first time I've talked to you in person. I think it, really. I think it might. be I know, and yeah. I've definitely seen your band play a couple times, but it's always just like I should go say hi to that dude, and then like you're just like doing stuff, yeah. and then I get caught up doing stuff, and then it just doesn't <laughs> fucking happen.
1: Yeah, it, it. It's one of those things that. Yeah, like you said, we've known. I feel like we've known each other for. Ever. Between bands and different Mutual projects. friends. Yeah, and mutual shit. friends and and uh so this is cool. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I'm glad you could come and record this episode as I try to lean my arm onto a surface, surface that parcel, isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so you're here because you know, you do music stuff and all that sort of things. Uh let's see, I don't know, where where would where should we start this at? You know, where would you like to start?
1: I don't know. Let's start. Uh, I wonder what the beginning would be.
0: What 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 would the beginning be? What was like? What was the first thing you ever did? Um, that you were that you could, in general, like not even as a musician. What was the first thing you ever did as a, probably, a person?
1: Probably, took, took a piss or took a shit, <laughs> which is probably <laughs> the first thing I did as a musician. Also, is took a piss or took a shit. <laughs> um, you no, play drums, right? I play drums. Okay. Do you play um, anything else? Uh, I've, I've played guitar and I've played bass and I've, I've played the trumpet the longest. Well, that's weird. Which not a lot of people know. I played all through, okay, I started so let's, in third grade and I played all through high school. Let's and, talk
0: about trumpet. Was it like a school band thing?
1: Yeah. So when I, most people know me as playing drums or working for drummers and when I, The way I got into playing drums was I really wanted to play the drums. My dad is a bass player, so I always grew up with instruments in the house. Okay. But I didn't want to play the guitar. I didn't want to play the bass. I didn't want to play the piano. And we always had, like, musician's friend magazine in the house because my dad was always buying gear. Not always buying gear, but, like, you know, you get them in the mail. And so I'd always look at them, especially when I was in the bathroom, as, like, a six or seven-year-old. And I'd see, you know, I'd flip through the pages and, like, guitars looked really cool and there was always cool colors and then you get to the drums and I was always like infatuated by them because there was the most parts and I knew that it was something you could, you could hit. So that was yeah. appealing to me, not knowing much about music other than the fact that you can on a drum set, you hit things and on a guitar you you don't. So that was kind of my reasoning. Be like <laughs> I want to play the drums and the, and the role in my house was I, I could, I could play the drums, but I had to play in the school band. So I, when I was in third grade, you could audition for like, the the music program Mm -hmm. and it like cost a little bit extra to have like a lesson in the afternoon like an hour lesson then it took the place of like a class and so I went in and I like tried out on the drum but it was like just the snare drum and I remember like picking up these giant sticks and they were cold and like the snare drum was not in tune the music director didn't really know much about the drums other than how to like teach the charts and stuff so I remember hitting the first hit on the snare drum and i didn't like the sound of it and that was it i was kind of like nah i don't know if i want to do the drums anymore <laughs> just one hit so i tried all it these different it. instruments and okay. like i tried like saxophones and i tried clarinets and like tried like xylophones and none of that stuff it was all just it just was lame so but i picked up trumpet. a trumpet and and i actually got a sound out of it and i was able to like kind of figure it out just by just by screwing around on it and blowing and pressing the keys and so that was the one i was like i think i'm gonna try the trumpet so like i remember the day i got home and i I was in third grade so i must have been like
0: like seven or eight seven or eight and i
1: remember just like my mom was like oh no a trumpet like (laughs) the loudest louder than a drum set and and, uh, and i remember just like marching up and down the neighborhood just blowing just noise, nice. out of trumpet. not knowing I, it was, I had the trumpet for less than an hour, maybe if that <laughs> so, but so I did trumpet lessons all through grade school. And, uh, when I was in, I think I want to say sixth or seventh grade, um, I was excelling at the trumpet and my parents decided if you want to try something else, you can, if you want to try guitar, if you want to try another brass school instrument, you can do that. And I was, I was, I kind of came back to like, no, I think I want to play the drums again, not really like knowing music or knowing how to play the drums. Yeah, never seeing a drummer play them before. I kind of was I'm just say, like, like
0: like were you listening to any music at this point? Like so You said your dad was in a <laughs> band. What kind of stuff was your dad my playing? My dad
1: was in he was never really in a band that like oh, poured out. He okay. just played the bass and he played we had like a church folk group that was <gasps> okay. like kinda rocking. And he played in that. And then also he he would always play at home. He's a big Beatles fan, but he also is a big like Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and okay. Floyd fan. So like Music was always around me when I was a kid growing up. Like, and I remember, remember hearing songs, and there was always something playing in the car, whether it was like shitty B ninety four radio rock, or yeah, if it was like the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack. So like it was my there, was but playing. you weren't. It was always there, but I never on really knew what yet? it was. And I, I think the first time that I recognized a song for being a song was being like eight nine years old watching wwf wrestling and like knowing the D generation x theme and like knowing <laughs> the stone cold theme and knowing that those songs had guitar had bass had drums okay had words and like knowing those words and i think Weird. honestly those were like the songs that co- got me into like music And okay. i think a lot of like and i think that opened a lot of like wonder like oh well this is like, what kind of music is this? Obviously, it's like rock and roll, but like, it's not. Yeah. You know, and then also like other wrestlers, like hearing the Undertaker theme and like, what is this? Like kind of gothy organ. I remember being terrified of it. So were you like super into wrestling? So I was, yeah, I I was super into wrestling, (laughs) but that was kind of like those entrance themes in like the early 90s were kind of like the songs that I remember latching onto and like recognizing as being songs. Hearing, you know, obviously hearing songs and hearing music when you're five, six, knowing Christmas music, knowing nursery rhymes, that kind of shit. But, like, actually being, like, recognizing a song and, and knowing, like, that's a song. And there's instruments, and there's... That's a band playing that yeah. were like, those old 90s wrestling themes. And I remember getting... Those were, like, the first CDs I had were those, like, entrance volume records where it was, like, the Hulk... Or, like, not the Hulk, like Hulk Hogan and The Rock. and Yeah. Stone Cold. And so, like... so com- So, backtracking, like, my dad played... The bass we had a piano in my house but everyone kind of just screwed around on it and then being like eight nine years old playing the trumpet and then loving 90s wrestling and then hearing those those entrance songs then i kind of started like it kind of opened my ears a little bit to like hearing songs on the radio and like distinguishing whether that's a good song or not like i remember hearing like trying to think like like a bare naked lady song and be like that's a shitty song but then hearing like uh like a rage song on the X and be like, that's a cool song. That's, and for the longest time, thinking Rage Against the Machine were the guys that sang the Degeneration X theme, which they're not. <laughs> but that's, I think, I'm, I think that's, that's a misconception that's... a lot of people my age had at the time, and and that was cool because that kind of opened up like that was wrestling and that was Rage Against the Machine, and then like from there, we thought other bands sang and did other wrestling, wrestling songs, music. and yeah. they didn't, of course. Um, but like that was a cool thing. I remember. I always remember like hearing those songs and being like that's a that's a cool rock song and then wanting to hear more and like the need to hear more kind of started and that was like a big spark for me like between the ages of like ten, 9 10 and like 14 was like really just searching for new music and anything like I mean I remember being in like fifth sixth grade and I loved the Beastie Boys and I loved DMX and Ice Cube and like I really got into like that sort of late 90s gangster rap which wasn't really gangster rap it was just really vulgar and really brutal And yeah, but then also like hearing the bc boys like hello nasty came out in 99 and that was huge like that was that was one of the first times that i remember hearing that and being like whoa this is not this isn't wrestling music this isn't radio music this isn't dmx this is totally different yeah and that kind of opened like another window like all right let's find more of that you like so you like that sound you like the degeneration x theme let's try to find more and i remember i have so i have two older siblings and they growing up they never really like they they were into music and they they bought a ton of cds but they never like we never listened to it in the car if it was like a family trip we never listened to their music and i remember <laughs> they're going to hate me for this but i remember sneaking into their room cuz each of them had a cd binder like my sister had one my brother had one and i remember opening those binders whenever they weren't around just to see and like reading band names and looking at what a CD, like looking at the, the booklets and like kind of starting to form ideas around what maybe those bands sounded like without ever hearing the music. And like my sister had a lot of, she had a lot of like nineties dance ish kind of music, like uh, the Vanga boys. And, okay. Like a lot of that kind aqua. of aqua. Yeah. She had that stuff. But then <laughs> she also had real big fish and she also okay. had less and Jake and that was cool and i remember seeing those band names and specifically seeing that they had like parental advisory stickers on the on the booklets and being like oh well there's bad words i need to hear this like okay. i need to hear swear words this is what i'm into now and i remember my brother his cd binder had like i think he had like enema of the state and he had like corn and he had limp biscuit but then he also had social distortion live at the roxy and i okay. was like okay i want to hear this and he also had he, he didn't he, he didn't have any uh, any like other really punk stuff that he had. Um, he had a Rob Zombie tape that I remember seeing the artwork for and being like, this looks scary. I want to hear what this sounds like. This, I bet this sounds like the Undertaker theme. <laughs> you know, like in my mind, kind of putting two and two together, like this guy has long hair and wearing he's wearing scary makeup. I bet he sounds like the Undertaker. That's Not really Not knowing awesome. the, what the Undertaker, what that means. Like, yeah. Scary church music, I guess. So, uh, So like between those ages was where I kind of, Started like seeking, and again, it wasn't even really hearing the music. It wasn't until later that I was able to like ask them, "Can I? Hey, can I listen to this?" Or can I? You know, we got a family computer, and I remember like burning, taking their CDs and burning my own copies, and like hiding them in my room <laughs> and leaving them blank, but maybe writing like, "Don't listen, Steve's mix. Don't listen." But it was like it was those CDs, Steve's that Steve's mix. Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. Listen. Yeah. Don't listen. <laughs> um, Don't listen. And I remember, and I remember that. So that was like a cool thing that. that I wasn't like it wasn't like someone ever a lot of people that are into punk music or into music in general always have that store where someone like handed them a record It was like listen to this I never really had that for me it was like doing that on my own and doing the doing the the, the hard research doing the research and doing the 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 spy work and s- definitely sneaking around and trying to t- to hear different things and so um I remember like yeah, I remember burning those CDs and listening to them. I remember I got a CD player for Christmas one year and headphones and, and I, I did that never left my body. Like I had a Sony Walkman CD player and a pair of crappy headphones. And I went to the grocery store with my mom headphones on went to the wherever had them on and I skateboarded and I BMX biked a lot when I was a kid. And like, I don't know how many pairs of CD, like how many pairs of headphones and CD players I went through because I'd constantly falling off the stuff and breaking Uh them. And, and I always had, like, a backpack with CDs. And none, no one else my age ever, like, in my group of friends when I was in, like, 6th, 7th, 8th grade had that. They they heard music because I was playing it. Okay. And and kind of getting back into, like, the whole, like, punk rock thing, I remember, you know, hearing Blink-182, hearing Green Day. I'm like, this is cool. Like, this is a cool thing. This is, like, another new sound for me. Like, punk rock. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then I remember the older kids in the neighborhood who skateboarded, one day asked me what I was listening to and I told them I was listening to Dookie and they were like, Oh, that's, you need to listen to this. And they, they were like, they let me listen to no effects. And I was like, Whoa, this is another window opening up Uh for like a 14 year old. And I remember asking them like, I need to hear more bands like this. And they told me like a list. It was like, you know, no effects, Lagwagon, the dropkick Murphys, the misfits, uh, no use for a name, Pennywise, bad religion, anti-flag. And I remember being like in eighth grade going on field trips and like being on the bus and letting all the kids turning the volume up as loud as my headphones allowed. And we, us just like listening to Dropkick Murphy's and listening to rancid and being totally blown away by that. And, and I remember like begging my parents, like, please buy me out for, please buy me come, and outcome. The wolves, please buy me. Yeah. I, like, I remember like my mom showing up to a baseball game when I was like at sixth or seventh grade and handing me that CD. And I, and I was like, that's all I wanted to do was listen to And outcome. The wolves. Cause that was such a new sound for me hearing Tim Armstrong hearing Lars Ulrich's hearing just like raw punk rock but also that reggae mix and like it was such a raw recording and and so like there's there's not there's not like one moment in time where someone was like listen to this song but there was definitely moments where like after the spy work was done where I kind of knew what I wanted to hear and, and I definitely like sought after finding that. Whether it was like begging my mom to buy me a CD from Best Buy for fifteen dollars, or like saving allowance money and going to like a Sam Goody, and like be I knew that if I had like fifteen or sixteen dollars, I could get two CDs. And like there was there was definitely a period in like seventh and eighth grade where, if I had twenty bucks over the course of like two months, I would go and I'd buy like four CDs. And I remember uh-huh. buying like Rufio and Aqualine Trio, and then trying to buy things that I knew maybe were different, like buying. Get the get up kids and bad religion and like two ends of the punk rock spectrum, but like kind of shaping like what I wanted to listen to and definitely like what I've listened to for the last. Yeah. <laughs> 15 years now. Um, but I, I, I've always like given music a chance. Like, so the older skateboard kids were like, listen to this. And I was like, all right, cool. Fell in love with it. But then like older kids were like, that were like kind of graffiti kids in my neighborhood in like Highland Park were like, no, you need to listen to like Wu-Tang Clan. And like, I was like, all right, let me listen to this. Give this a shot. Loved it. Of course. So, like, there was definitely no period where I only listened to one kind of music. And it's it's always been like that. Like, through grade school, through high school, through college, like, everyone everyone tries to group themselves in one genre of music. And, like, that's their click. That's their scene. And I've always been like, no, nah, I don't really want to be a part of that. Because I like... Celine Dion and I like Slayer and sure <laughs> I like Pantera and I also like blink 182 so you know it's one of those things where uh, I, I never really like found I've never really found what it is about different types of music but like I've I always have been one of those guys that like I just keep my ear open for new things
0: well sure you know life is always changing and every day there's a different mood a different feeling you're gonna want to listen to something different yeah, you know there's yeah. some days where I could I could put on an album that I love and I'm just not feeling it absolutely. I'm like I just I do not want to listen to and out come the wolves today yeah absolutely but and then like, there's some days where I put it on and I'm like Fuck, hell yeah, yeah. this like, is all I want to listen the to
1: longer that the longer that you go without listening to those foundational like records uh-huh the better they get every time you hear them. Like, there was definitely a period in my life where I listened to, like, nothing but The Misfits, nothing but, like, old AFI, kind of, like, horror, punk, rock kind of stuff. And then I was like, nah, I don't really want to listen to this stuff anymore. And I definitely went, like, two years maybe without listening to it at all. Yeah, you know. And listening to other stuff. And, and that was, like, very... That was especially in high school. I remember, like, every week, it was something different. Like, oh, yeah. When I got into high school, a lot of the bands that were like, getting getting big on the radio were bands like Hawthorne Heights and Michael Mocha Romance and Taking Back Sunday and that was kind of like the general kind of music that all the kids in my high school listened to but then I remember there was like two or three other kids that were like no, like fuck that listen to Dillinger Escape Plan Yeah, wants, like listen <laughs> to before I die. and so then there was like that group that I was like oh I want to be friends with these guys I want to listen to like the craziest, heaviest, loudest things like yeah. if it's not Converge or All That Remains or Bleeding Through I don't want to listen to uh-huh. it and, but then like the next week it was like oh hey Listen to this. It's, it's this new record called College Dropout by this rapper. <laughs> and, like, that changed everything because now we had not only punk rock and we had, like, emo, like, early 2000s emo music, but then also crazy mathcore, deathcore shit, and then, like, the rise of, like, cool new hip-hop. So, yeah, every day, every day, every month, I mean, even down to, like, multiple times in a day, different music has been like oh yeah I am oh, done. Yeah. Ah.
0: I think whenever I'm at work and I'm just I have like a Spotify thing going on at work it's I probably seem like a psychopath yeah. with like <laughs> the amount of like changes that I go through when I'm listening to stuff yeah, I absolutely just, whatever you know and I feel really similar where when I was like 13 14 15 I was skateboarding a bunch I was into like all the like late 90s epitaph era stuff yeah. like And then as I got older, I just started listening to more crazier and crazier stuff, you know, like you got into Dillinger and I got into Norma Jean and like all that stuff. And then like years down the road, I was like, man, it's been a while since I've listened to The Descendants. Like I probably haven't listened to this band in years and I put it on and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like how have I not listened to this in so long? The Descendants
1: especially are one of those bands that I was late to the game with them. They were one of those bands... When I when I was a young skateboarder kid that like those older kids definitely were like listen you gotta like they always mention the descendants and I never I never heard them until like honestly maybe like five years ago yeah and I and I I remember downloading <laughs> everything sucks and being like, whoa what did I miss yeah why did I never listen to this band and like that's the thing the last few years I've, I've started to do is go back and listen to a lot of those bands that I either didn't give a fair chance to or didn't give a chance to at all. And, and like the last, definitely the last year, I mean, I'm listening to stuff lately from like 2004, 2001, 2000, like early 2000s music that I just skimmed over There's so for whatever much, reason. Dude, yeah, it's nuts.
0: There's so much music, so much really well-known music yeah. out there that it's, how do you, how can you keep up with it? And it, the other end of the spectrum is it makes it really hard being somebody who creates music. Who's contributing exactly. to that pile? Absolutely, it's like when you think about the big picture, it's somewhat discouraging yeah.
1: at times. One of my favorite like early two thousands bands that I, that not many people know about is Vendetta Red, and okay. like, I recognize that awesome kind of kind of artsy, screamo, like ish kind of rock band. They weren't really like Hawthorne Heights. They weren't really Census Fail or they Under. Under Oath. Weren't, they weren't yeah. Under Underoath by any means. Like any of those bands. Um, they were kind of their own sound. They were kind of like a screamy, alkaline trio. The songs were really grim, and the songs had really crazy, violent lyrics, but the music was like like a queen-ish kind of sounding like pop punk, punk rock. Okay. Anyway, I, I've, they're a band. Like They have a record called Sisters of the Red Death. That's like a concept record. Came out in like 2004. No one I know has heard it. I know that people heard it because they tore, They were on Warp Tour and things, but like... I hear that record and I'm like, shit, I want to write a record like this. But thinking in terms of 2016, I don't know if a record like that would work. I don't know. if Maybe it was ahead of its time. Yeah. And absolutely. And and they're a band that I don't think is playing. I don't think they've played in 10 years other than maybe like a show here and there. Yeah. Yeah. It's. And and I wonder, like, did not enough people hear this sound? Was it too ahead of its time or was it not ahead of its time? And it just was the sound that didn't didn't work, you know? Yeah. But they're a great band. Everyone should check them out. I mean, as you know from playing in bands, there's a
0: lot... Most of the time, the sound is, like, the least important factor into whether or not a band is successful or not. There's so many other fucking politics (laughs) when it comes Um, to all of that shit.
1: Yeah, it kills me. Uh, It it kills me um, being in a band, but also... Having a job that lets me see and be with or, and be around so many other kinds of bands because so many bands work hard but don't work and so many bands don't work hard at all and they and they work and it they works. work for people and uh I've never like I've never wanted to be in a band that doesn't work hard every band I've ever played in is a band that like thrives and strives on like Beating themselves up to make the best product. And, yeah, and whether people recognize that or not, and and that's the thing. Like, especially in in the years we live in now, where music is such an easy thing to create and ex- such an accessible thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know anyone that hasn't written a song, <laughs> or recorded a song, or been a part of a band, and that's awesome. Like being a kid, I mean, I I had to literally like. Beg my friends to buy a guitar. Like being a like being a young kid who played the drums, and all I wanted to do is all I wanted to do was be on the Warp Tour when I was thirteen uh-huh. and fourteen. Like that's all I wanted to do was play Warp Tour. And like I remember in eighth grade, convincing like a few of my friends, like you should buy a guitar and you should buy a bass guitar. Okay, and so my you younger the, brother the instigator. Playing, and I and my younger brother was playing the saxophone in the school band because that was his role. Like my you know with me, he played the saxophone so he could learn how to play the guitar. He played the saxophone. I remember we learned Blitzkrieg Bop, and we played it like three times at the talent show in a row. <laughs> we all took turns singing, but like, yeah, that was that was in, in the er, like the late 90s, early 2000s, and that was a thing that you had to do back then to get people to want to like play music that weren't around that. Nowadays, you go on Craigslist, you go on Facebook, you post, hey, I want to start a band, and in five minutes, you're going to have a million people commenting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's such an easy, awesome thing to do but you know like working hard at that ramones cover in 8th grade i mean that was like the hardest thing i remember ever doing in my life going and writing a song nowadays or going and starting a band it's so easy it makes you it makes you kind of forget about like those basement days when you're a kid and you're like learning your instruments and you're trying to be awesome at them but you suck so bad and you you have this dream of doing something huge which nowadays when you're when you're in your Late teens or twenties playing the Warped tour isn't a hard thing to do. You just have to be in a band that sounds okay yeah. and is willing to tour. Um, so yeah, it's just funny that it's just such a funny thing how how when you're when you're attached to music at such a young age, you gravitate toward doing something, and the order you get, the easier it gets. But at the same time, the older you get, the harder it gets because you find that sometimes when things are too easy to do, they're they're not as uh, fulfilling. You don't get the same kind of gratification out of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that you
0: got obviously really involved in this world of music that you love. You've become more involved in it than a lot of people get to become involved in. You know, like touring, playing in bands, meeting bands, probably meeting bands that you looked up to for oh, absolutely a long time. Yeah,
1: I mean, and I, I, uh, I it's hard. It's hard not to, to fanboy out. <laughs> um, I, I never. I never ask to take pictures with musicians or bands that I meet. I'd rather like shake their hand and ask them how their day is going. Because I've learned that's a thing that not many people in bands get to do, you know. You meet you meet Joey Cape backstage at Riot Fest, and the last thing he wants to do is talk about punk rock. He wants to talk about everything but punk rock. And yeah. that's the thing that like people people forget, like that's a really cool thing to do is like, hey, I just want to talk to you. I don't want to take a picture. Like, I I know so many people that they just, they they get off at meeting bands and just taking pictures and posting them on Facebook. And that's cool. That's a great memory to have. But like, think of the other side of that, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing that's weird with the world right now is people seem to have this fascination with wanting everybody to know what they're doing at the expense of like, really like living in the moment that they're sharing with the world. You know, it's like people like watching a concert through a cell phone screen rather yeah. than just watching the fucking Abs- band. Absolutely, it's like what are you gonna do with this video? When are you ever yeah. really gonna watch this? Like, oh, like check this out! I saw this band. Here's a shitty sounding, crappy, shaky yeah. video of uh, it. Yeah,
1: with a million filters on it. Yeah, it's such a crazy thing that that. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I go to shows. Yeah, I definitely, definitely take pictures. I even when I'm not supposed to, you know. I think that <laughs> sneaking I mean, and taking
0: pictures of bands. I don't think that it's like it's there's like a limit to it i think that it's just some people are continuously documenting every little thing that they do and it's weird to me yeah it's definitely weird um but that's just the generation that we're in it's like if you i don't know like we're both i might be a couple years older than you but we us say like late 20s ish and uh I mean when i was in high school i didn't have a cell phone like we had to do that hard research to find bands there oh, wasn't yeah. like suggested spotified artists or oh, yeah, related yeah, yeah. youtube videos that made it like easy to find bands it was like there was there was like it was a lot harder to find things and like you we as a result more value was attached to it like more personal value and now it's just so like Somebody can recommend me an album. I could pull it up on my phone be like, oh, yeah, I'll check that out eventually. In seconds. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you can write off a band in minutes just just with how simple technology is nowadays just by typing in their name on your phone, pressing enter, pressing play. And if you like what you hear, you listen to it. If you don't like it, you turn it off. And I remember being like one of my favorite things when I was younger was like getting compilation records because, yeah, it had 10 songs you knew. But then it had twenty songs you didn't know, and and like getting those, especially the Warp Tour compilations, those were awesome because, you know, as as Warp Tour got older in like the mid two thousands, obviously it it stopped being a punk rock tour, but it started opening really? up to a different. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's still a punk rock tour. Uh, no, <laughs> it, it stopped. It stopped being punk rock tour not not at the core of it not at, at at its ethics but at the just with the bands that were playing um but i remember getting like in 2004 or 2005 like whatever year thursday and Undereath played i was i was pretty stoked that those two bands were playing but i was also really stoked that bad religion and no effects were playing because again i was not interested in one type of music i was down to like yeah see everything i could i was down to go see bedouin sound clash play like a bunch of chill reggae songs when half my band was going to see, like, I don't know, Hello Goodbye. Like, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. that, you know? Um, but so, like, getting those compilations was cool because you could hear so many different kinds of music in so many different kinds of bands where you didn't necessarily get that with, like, the punk Oramas You didn't really get that with, like, the earlier compilation like, Warped Tour compilations because it was always the same kind of punk rock band. So like definitely like you like you said that was kind of like the Spotify suggested playlist but like that was like you waited all year to get that compilation yeah. just to see what was kind of new and what was kind of out definitely. there and going
0: on and i think like being younger you also had more time to actually engage with the stuff as well whereas now i feel most of the people i know that listen to music when do they really sit down to actually just engage with listening to music it's yeah. like Oh well, unlisting the music in the car, and Like it's, that's great. And it's but a lot it's distracting. of, uh,
1: especially with the younger people nowadays. And I say younger people like being almost twenty six. I'm a young person by by all means, but the 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 uh, fifteen to twenty year old crowd that that five year span where they're not really interested. At least I don't. At least it doesn't seem so necessarily in albums anymore, where it's a lot of singles. Mm-hmm. People, and, and that's one of like the that's one of the bad things. Not bad things, but that's one of the difficulties with like modern technology in in the music scene is things like Spotify, things like iTunes, you lose cohesion of a record. Like I remember getting, I remember when bands were making like albums. And of course our fathers and our mothers say, oh, I remember when like Led Zeppelin 2, that's an album. Paranoid Black Sabbath, that's an album. There's every song makes sense and the artwork and everything goes together. But like also in the 2000s and in the 90s, bands like Coed and Cambria, bands like Thrice, Bands, you know, those kind of bands were making concept records. They had a beginning, they had a middle, they had an end. They had a theme. All the songs. A flow. Fit in know, a it place. felt like one cohesive yeah. piece rather than a collection of songs. And, and I think like that kind of that kind of art form is slowly, it's it's not dying, it's not going away, but it's slowly kind of being lost in the shuffle of like let's just release a single, let's release. Well, a, I think that a song. Let's that's... release a, a, a short EP, um, which is great. Every, I mean, my bands I've played in and bands I currently in playing and are doing that because it's a quick way to get people to hear oh, sure. a couple of things. The
0: idea, I think it's a lot of that as a result, more of the business yeah. side of it rather than how people want to engage with it. You know, it's people... Right now, it's like, if you want to keep anybody's attention, you got to put out more things faster. So it's like, is it better to spend a year writing writing a 10-song album or releasing one song every month? Absolutely. see, my problem is that I come from the same era that you come from where it's like, I want to hear albums. So I want to make albums. The idea of me just releasing random songs here and there are like, it's worthless.
1: Yeah, I still get get super stoked on getting a record and like opening it up whether it's oh, a yeah. CD or an album and like looking at the artwork, studying the artwork, studying the song titles, studying the liner notes, the yeah, lyrics, all of that, that stuff, seeing, yeah. seeing where it was mixed, seeing what was mastered, seeing what instruments were used, like seeing who the, the additional musicians or vocalists were like, that's the kind of thing that you don't get with singles. And, uh, and it and makes no, you, it makes you really like, it, it makes you really remember how awesome. Sure. Music, but is then it, you like, know
0: you you have to battle with yourself now. Well, It's like, well, if the people that are going to be engaging with your music don't care
1: about that shit, then why why spend the time? Yeah, especially if you make, especially if you're in a band that makes one style of music. Um, I, I've always I've always liked so many different kinds of music and I've never really ever wanted to play one specific kind of music. I guess every band and every kind of music I've ever played comes from a punk rock root or background, but um, I've always thought it was really cool to write songs that are all kind of different and put out an album that has a cool fast punk song, has a slower, more melodic song, has something with gang vocals has something with like a cool screamy bridge has uh-huh. something with a breakdown you know has something that has like a cool rock and roll like guitar solo um that's always something that i've always thought was cool and that's kind of that again like you said it comes kind of from the idea of like if what you're doing doesn't work for someone because of the way you sound give them some options and and you might you might find something and they're like there's definitely bands out there that i i don't necessarily like all of their songs but they have like one or two songs that are really fucking cool like yeah, yeah um especially a lot of the newer bands like a lot of the, the the bands like um like Imagine Dragons kind of bands and like those kind of okay. like kind of electronic rock but they're not really electronic cuz they're playing instruments but <laughs> they're radio ready polished uh-huh you know um, it's i mean that's
0: <laughs> Those a fun r- argument is that I think that the majority of most music that's released now is electronic music. Yeah. Even if it is played with real instruments Absolutely. because of the post-production that's put yeah. on it
1: turns no it one, into electronic music. No one is music. making music that's strictly mics placed in front of speakers. It, that doesn't not exist. Not on a pop level. Not, no. a, not on... Yeah. Anything... And then not even on a level of like... Unless you're strictly buying music in a basement at shows, which I'm sure a lot of people still do, I... Know people that do. I sometimes do, but unless you only are buying and getting music from one source, everything you listen to has a level of computer production, and that's. I mean, I I love production. I love hearing a record that has an air to it, that has a, a sense of like sonic balance. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it. Even even a lot of bands that I grew up loving, you know, you go and listen to those records, and it's just like flat dead horrible sounding the everything the bass is in the wrong mix the drums are out of tune the singing you know like yeah there nothing the, is stereo about
0: it and, there are some albums that i loved as a teen that i cannot listen to now because of being behind the curtain and obtaining yeah, production yeah. knowledge it's I, I listen to it and i'm just like wow that snare drum sounds He'll, awful yeah it sounds and like, it it sounds like a machine
1: gun no one snare. yeah <laughs> like especially in the metal and hardcore world like yeah i have a hard time listening to a lot of like straightforward like kind of beat down hardcore stuff because one it kind of all sounds the same but two the 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 music the the drums and the bass and the guitar i mean it's just like wah, wah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know like it's it's just a thing that w- when you like you said are behind the curtain seeing how it's done when like the production levels just they kind of sink
0: oh yeah and it's like you know you're listening to this really overproduced like hardcore sounding stuff that is all like tough and yeah. supposed to sound all big and it's like well this is just like yeah guys playing their guitars into a laptop yeah and like you know putting <laughs> like so a tough. thing on yeah, yeah, yeah. it it's
1: not <laughs> like uh i remember seeing like instagram video or like even maybe like a youtube video of some hardcore band and it was like in the it was like a studio update i was like oh, all right cool i'll s- see what it is the song sounded cool and then like the drummer was beating on like a rolling kit but the, you couldn't hear the drum sounds all you heard was the plastic and the rubber oh, yeah. being hit and i was like someone somewhere should someday make a record where all of the drums are just played on a mic'd up Roland kit, but you're not hearing any of the oh, drums. Yeah, yeah. You're only hearing the like uh-huh. rubber and the, <laughs> you know, like the rubber and the plastic. Uh, it makes you think of that South Park episode with guitar hero, where like they're playing the solos and all you hear is <laughs> the keys on the guitar hero. Guitar. Uh-huh. But, but again, that's what, what makes what's like different between someone learning how to play guitar on guitar hero, where they're just pressing four buttons colored keys on a plastic guitar I mean like I know kids that are much younger than me but like now play in bands because unlike me having to take lessons they they learn about music by playing Guitar Hero and they were like oh well if I can play these four keys I can play six strings and that's that blows my mind because I mean I had to like I'd actually learn how to play an instrument. There was no, there was no yeah. game to show me how to like play a song. I had to like read a book. I had to yeah. learn notes on a page. That sucked. I mean, I think at <laughs> like, most Guitar Hero helps with like basic aesthetics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I remember... I know, like and things like I that. I don't know about you, but like being a musician, when I go and I play Guitar Hero or I play Rock Band, I can't do it because. I know that there's more than four red, yellow, blue, and green buttons then. I never got in... I was never
0: interested in playing guitar or bass or any stringed instruments. So for me, playing Guitar Hero, if I play guitar, it's not bad. But playing like rock band drums is fucking impossible. Because they're set up in a way that doesn't (laughs) make sense. You know, it's like this is not the way a drum kit looks (laughs) and it is it's like the reactions all fucked up like that kick pedal is never quite right yeah (laughs) it's never
1: synced up with the tv right and i would i would love to see a band much like a band making a record of just the plastic and rubber drum sounds i'd love to see a live band where the drummer plays the rock band drum kit if someone could out there figure out how to like modulate that kit into making I'm sounds. Sure, I'm that sure would be, it's already happened. That would be kinda cool. I guarantee be, you it's be already happened.
0: <laughs> um so I guess talking about like business and being in bands, being in like uh DIY band versus like touring with an established band, which are like two things that you've done. Yeah. Is there anything that like you've like learned or seen on the road? You know, touring with for people that don't know you
1: I drum tech and I kind of help stage manage for the band Anti-Flag. If you've ever heard of them or or Anti-Flag if you're listening to this in anywhere but the United States. <laughs> um,
0: and uh so yeah, but I mean drum teching with Anti-Flag uh, have I'm sure you've like met a ton of people, talked to people all over the world. Have you been able to like learn anything from those experiences and apply it to like your own bands in a beneficial way back home?
1: Yeah, I think I think that the last... So I've been working for Anti-Flag now for... It'll be about four years. And I think what got me the job... And I could be wrong. But I think what got me the job was... Members of the band recognizing... Not just my skill set as being a drummer. And being someone who's played in a band. But also someone who's kind of open to learning. And I think that since, since day one... Um, every gig is a learning experience. You learn something about... How, not just how a, a show works on stage, but also how it works behind the scenes, and I think that that's something. I mean, that is talent, and that is not talent, but that's that's knowledge and information that, it, unless you, unless you're doing it, working at a venue or working in a band or working for a band, it's knowledge and information that is sometimes kind of hard to come by, and I think a lot of bands fail early in their career because they 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 don't learn how the inner workings of it all goes. And for me, I've been really fortunate. Not that the bands I play in are super successful or super huge, but um, I think when I learn, from what I've learned of being on the road, I've definitely put into effect when I'm home. Like Even simple things like, if we have a proper sound check, take advantage of it. Get your mix right. Um, t- be patient. go you know Don't rush through things. Um, that's something that I've definitely... Uh, enjoyed learning and putting into practice with my own bands when I'm home. Uh, even just simple things like when when I'm when I'm out on the road for two months, learning how to adjust to to a tour, and then coming home and doing like a weekender, it makes the weekenders go so oh, much sure because you know I'll, I'll we'll do things in advance. Like I remember being in bands younger, or, or even being in. Um, that I play now and going out on the road where it was like every day we were looking at where we were going and like every day we were trying to figure out where the venue was where in more recent time we'd go on tour and we'd have I you know print out like a tour itinerary like these are all the shows these are the names of the venues this is how far they are between one and another these are where gas stations are these are you know if we're staying at someone's house pre-planned this is where that house is so even just things like organizational skills um, taking it from the large scale with anti-flagging and putting it into effect with smaller bands it's it's i mean it's something that you definitely don't take for granted but something that you keep learning about every tour every big tour i learn 10 things or or more things 10 or more things that when i come home i love putting into effect with with my other bands it's definitely like um you learn you learn a lot about etiquette on stage and etiquette behind the scenes how even just how to like when you show up for a show, shaking hands and talking to everyone who's involved, and and being just being gracious. Like, um, my band Mace Ballard played a show last night at the altar Bar, and and just going in and setting up and meeting the sound guys, and you know trying to get an idea what was going to go on on stage through the night. And, and ever, rem- I mean, if I would have known things like just simple things like load in time, be on time, sound check, you know, you have this time to this time, get the most of it. When I was in younger bands, we'd show up. You know, an hour late to yeah. load in time. Or you know, we'd, it, we'd be on stage, fooling around, hitting practice, you know, essentially having band practice on stage when it really could have been time that we could have been like getting our monitors right or like, or take, you know, getting off of stage to the other bands had time to get on and do their thing. Um, yeah, definitely like things I've learned, like I said, like an etiquette and just uh, just how things work in general. It's something that with touring with Anti Flag, I've gotten, I've gotten a lot out of. And uh, and every tour, like I said, is is a new experience and a new new thing to learn. There's always something new to learn. I mean, I, I've I'm, I'm I work with guys that have been doing it since the two, like 2000s. I've met a lot of techs and a lot of stage managers that have been with bands forever, and uh, and they 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 even tell me like you never stop learning. You know, it's just like any job. If you if you have a job long enough, there's always more things to learn. If you're a mechanic, there's always something new to learn. If you're a doctor, there's yeah. always something new Especially- developing. If you're passionate about it and if you care, yeah. You I know. mean, I've definitely met techs and I've definitely seen people who work for bands that they they're they think they're a part of the show. Essentially, we're a very big part of the show, but they they live in their eyes. They're they're part of the rock and roll and they're part of the party that happens backstage. Where like that's what kind of separates the pros and and and, and the non-pros. Not, yeah, I'm not going to call them amateurs, but like definitely worked shows with bands and been on stage with people who who think in their head they uh are the rock stars when sure (laughs) they're not you're not you know they're not (laughs) yeah i was gonna
0: actually ask about that as well just another fun like uh sort of like do you like the what the how do i want to word it uh you just seem like you're not really like the party type. You seem like you like you know how to have a good time, but you seem like you just have like a good <laughs> head on your shoulders. You
1: know, and I don't know if I'm
0: accurate in that assumption or I would what be the deal li- is. I would
1: be lying if I said I didn't like to party. For anyone who knows me, I <laughs> I, I am essentially the life of the party. But I know Like there's a the right time and I right know place the time for, and place for, it. for yeah. it. And in working I'm forever, forever thankful for working with the band anti flag because um, they don't they don't party they have a great time but they're the most professional respectful people I think probably in punk rock and and honestly maybe even in music <laughs> I, I don't i you always hear horror stories of bands who are just totally disrespectful to the people on stage I mean yeah that blows my bands, mind even like. even the most chill cool radio friendly bands. Act can act like dicks. I mean, I'm sure everyone who, who was in Pittsburgh when Death Cab for Cutie played watched Ben Gibbard throw his guitar at his guitar tech because it was out of tune. It's are like, you serious? It's like, dude, tune, you, you can tune a guitar. You're not, you're not, you know, who are you? I'm sure people are listening. It's like, yeah, it's Ben Gibbard though. But like, at the same time, that, that kind of behavior well, it, can it, wait. It, till it goes you're back offstage. to the etiquette.
0: Yeah. Like, do you really want to present yourself as that type of person, exactly. to the world, especially yeah. people that you know look up to you, that enjoy your music, people that yeah. are a large part of the reason why you know you are standing on that stage right now. I think it, a lot it, of people forget that. Like, how do you, how can you lose sight of that? Yeah, and I don't and, know.
1: And playing playing music, being being the musician on stage, and being the guy that sets up the show. Um, it, it, there's not much of a difference. I mean, most of the texts and most texts that I know probably know the songs better than the bands do (laughs) well you know or at least at least know know how their performance works you know yeah well yeah they're seeing it from the outside every night and so like again going back to like with anti-flag i'm super thankful that those guys are are as professionally as they are and of course they've been doing it for so long that they kind of they kind of should be the example for other bands on how to do things you know like they, they, they preach, they practice what they preach on and off stage. They're, they're awesome guys. They're super respectful, but like they, there's, they're not rock stars. They don't do anything that, that I would be like, like nothing that I would be like, you're a dick or like you're, you think you're more, you think you're hot shit. Like they, they have no problem doing what they do Yeah, you know, uh, and I, helping out. And that's, that's like, you know, I just see bands and I, I have friends that work for bands Where like, I just, I'm like, man, I feel for you. Because not only do you have to take care of loading in, setting up the stage, making sure the show happens. But like, you got to babysit like an absolute drunk out of their mind adult. You know, that, (laughs) you know, like. That fucking,
0: that shit blows my mind. Kind of, we were talking about this earlier with people who work hard, but it doesn't work. And people who don't work and somehow it works for them, you know, like. uh, I work at Get Hip and. My boss has told me stories about, you know, bands whose albums that they've put out that have just been like drunk messes and haven't done anything. And meanwhile, it's like, I'm here working like 40 plus hours a week to make money to like put out my own record.
1: Just to like work 40 hours just to go like play at a bar. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and
0: like sitting here, like packaging up other people's records and stuff. And like, it's like every record I'm putting in a box. I'm like, this should be my record. Exactly. And it's like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, it's like, I just cannot figure this out, you know? It's like, I know the music that I make isn't the best music in the world, but no music is. Yeah. So it's not that, that doesn't matter. It's just like, what, why isn't somebody being like, hey, like, you're doing a a good job at what you're doing. How about you just chill for a second? We'll help you put this album out.
1: Yeah, it it happens. It's, It's definitely, like, hard work, at least... For a lot of the hard work that I've put in, it's definitely gotten recognized. You know, I've I've had I've gotten compliments from other bands, from members of other bands. Yeah. Like, hey man, you really pull your weight, that's really awesome. And like that's that's kind of stuff that's been like more gratifying to me. I'd rather I'm like gonna say I'd rather have someone recognize my hard work than like wanting to put music out because ultimately if you play in a band, you work for a band, your goal is to to be successful with your music. Uh, that's anyone i know who plays music that's still their dream in some form or another is to be successful but like m- success i guess can be measured in different in different forms so i mean if someone is if someone is re- willing to recognize like that i can pull my own weight and i know what i'm doing and i'm good at what i'm doing and they just have the common courtesy to say thank you at the end of the day that's i mean that's that's what makes me want to do it each uh, definitely. day definitely i think me want to you get know in the morning and keep doing it so
0: it's, you know, I, I I juggle back and forth between, obviously, I make a lot of this music that I make for myself like because I want to do it. But I also, I'm I'm not releasing it
1: out into the world
0: for myself. Like, yeah. I want people
1: to engage yeah. with this. It costs money to do all these things. Yeah. And <laughs> it costs money to make a record. It costs money to record music. It costs money to go out on tour. I think, and that's something uh. that people who aren't behind the curtain, I think,
0: just have no yeah sight of and it, it makes it really really hard right now for us you know like with the gray walker album everybody's like when we were putting it out i was like hey you know we should sell the cds for five bucks and like we have to sell them for 10 bucks now that's a lot of money for a cd and i'm like well if you factor in how much it costs Cost- us to make, manufacture yeah. everything and recording and stuff like that i did the math on it and it was like seven bucks per cd yeah is like the amount of money that we spent as a band, so we're o- really only making like three bucks off each CD. Yeah,
1: and yeah I, it shouldn't be about the, the money, and it's like, well, eh. the business end of being in a band is my least favorite part of it. But you, there's definitely a good way and a, a, a wrong, a, a right and a wrong way to go about handling the business, and like working with a band like Anti Flag who who are absolutely pulling business. I've learned definitely the right way to do things and, the, and try to avoid the wrong way. Whether hearing from their experiences or just from, just from what's going on yeah. in 2015, 2016, you, know, you learn what works, you learn what doesn't work. Um, and even, even with my band Mace Ballard and I, I also started playing in another band called Young Lungs. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out uh, which, which end of the business works best. Both two different bands, both, um, willing to put in the hard work, or are, are putting in the hard work, but definitely like everyone has, every every person you work with in a band has a different business model. So like with Mace Ballard, we're really cautious of, of uh, the shows we play now because we've, we've played a lot of shows. We've been a band for like four years. We're not a household name. We'll probably never be a household name, but we definitely have gotten notoriety over the years and it goes with our with our practicing of hard work um with young lungs it's kind of different we it's a new band it's kind of it's a fresher kind of start and so we're really like let's put out music let's get people here in this let's do short videos let's do a lot of this stuff on our own without spending the money which is again like a a thing a practice that's come from working with anti-flag with recording videos on our own and like they've recorded albums on their own yeah and they've I mean they still print their merch oh it's important in the Southside, side at Commonwealth, yeah. print. you know like they, if you could they do things at a at still at a punk rock diy core and uh and like with mace ballad we still try to record our own music we still try to upkeep our own uh our, our own like social media profiles we still try to do all of that we book our own shows we've, we've never ha- worked with a booking agent or a manager at all like yeah we, you know even like playing festivals like we played puza fest in montreal uh a a couple years ago that was all self-booked um and then with young lungs now too like trying to get smaller tours and trying to get people to hear the music we're still trying to do everything on our own and and i think that's in the end of the day that's the only way to do things is like if you're not doing it for yourself by yourself it's it's not necessarily worth doing
0: yeah you know i think that it's really important to be as self-sufficient as you possibly can as a band, especially now because nobody knows, I mean, sometimes you don't even know who your demographic is, but nobody knows like what you want to get out of your product more than you do. Yeah. And you just need to push it. You know, it's, I've spent the past, this past year, like really doing that more than I ever have before. And it's like, I'm starting to notice like, Things are picking up. Yeah, it's it's a great feeling. Yeah, when when you
1: when you can do something by yourself and someone recognizes that, there's no better feeling. Like, it's just a great it's a great feel. Like I've I've met smaller bands opening support bands on Anti Flag tours, and they're like, "Hey man, you look familiar." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, dude, we like played a show in Buffalo. We played a show at." you know, in Chicago together. Yeah. And they're like, oh man, yeah, like, like, what's your band? And like, I'll tell them, oh, may spell are like, yeah, dude, of course, I know you. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, that's whether they saw it on Spotify or they saw it on Instagram or they, someone was wearing a shirt. It was probably not a good shirt. It's probably a <laughs> really crappy design. But like, someone was maybe shot, saw us, bought a shirt, wore it, and like, mm-hmm. that's a great feeling because like, we made those shirts. We got those printed ourselves. We yeah. did the design. You know, like, There's... it all kind of comes back at the end of the day to like, doing things on your own and getting gratification from that
0: and also i think another thing that is important is to not get like too sucked into like the social media thing in terms of like okay like so you know you, just because you post something on facebook and it gets like 10 little likes doesn't mean that only 10 people saw it absolutely a lot of people are seeing the stuff that you do put out there and they just because they don't interact with it doesn't mean that they're not absorbing it but it's really easy to forget that and get caught up in thinking like, oh, nobody's seeing my Facebook posts and I better pay money yeah. so people can see what I'm doing. Whereas like I'll be at a show and like people like I was at fucking dinner one night and somebody was like, excuse like, excuse me, are you Sykes? And I was like, yeah, like, who are you? Like, this is so <laughs> weird. And it was like somebody had bought my album off me like online. And it That's was just, awesome. Like, super cool. And it's yeah. just like there's. A lot of people are noticing what you're doing. It's just like you just don't see it. Yeah. I I wish there was a way to like gauge that and be able to keep control of it. But also, that's kind of what's cool about it is that it's just running wild. You're putting things out there and people are taking it.
1: That's that's like kind of going back to like how social media and, and technology is such a double edged sword. Like being being in Mace Ballard, being a small four piece band from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with only a handful of releases, and we only Play, you know, we play uh, as many shows as we can a year, but it's usually only ends up being, a, you know, a handful. Yeah. Um, getting an email from like some kid in Brazil who's like, Hey, I heard your music on Pandora. I just wanted to say hi. It's like, that's cool. Like, mm-hmm. I have never been to Brazil. <laughs> yeah. And that's really cool that you're, you know, you, you heard it and you took the time just to be like, just to say, Hey, or thanks, or, you know, whatever. And like, we've, we've gotten that a couple times, you know, over the, over the past few years where it's, like, fans from, like, Brazil, fans from, like, South America, fans from, yeah. like Italy that are, like, come play in Rome, and we're, like, we'd love to. It costs us probably $30,000 to get there. Or like, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, like, that's that's the one really cool thing about social media. But then, it, like you said, people get upset when you book a show and you get five, five out of 500 people say they're attending, and you, you get stressed out about who's going to be at the show, and then you get there, and there's, you know... 10 people there instead of five, which is like, all right, there's still only 10 people here. And you end up not having a great show or a great experience because you're so stressed about who's there. Like rather than like, rather than worrying about how many people are in the, or in the crowd and how many people aren't at your show, like worry about giving those 10 people the best show you can. You know, I think another thing too, is a lot of people just don't, that's
0: probably my biggest issue with bands nowadays is people don't push for their shows. It's like everybody is always like, well, well, like it's nobody says this, but yeah. everybody's thinking like, well, that other band that's playing has fans, so they'll bring people, and like you know, like we'll set this one out. Like, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it always fucking happens, and it's not that hard to tell people to come to a show. It's like you. It's like fuck the Facebook event invite. Yeah, like yeah, like. Text people. Go out. Talk to people. When you're out with your friends, say like, hey, I'm playing a show. You should come. Yeah. Most, a- most of the time, if I'm out with somebody and somebody's like, hey, I'm playing a show next week, if I don't have anything going on, I'll probably go because they invited me. And yeah, say, absolutely. Okay, sure.
1: Like, why not? And, and especially like the older you get, like being in your mid to late 20s, and I guess I mean, it doesn't have... There's no age limit, but like going out to a show now as a, like an adult means means different things than when you're a kid. Like when I was a kid going to shows, especially going to local shows, I mean, I was going like strictly to see the band. I didn't care who was there. I didn't care if I, I took a bus myself into Oakland yeah. and went to the show, you know, or or told my mom, hey, I'm going to Mr. Smalls tonight. Try, uh-huh. I need to be there at seven o'clock. Yep. <laughs> Wait, I'll be done at 11. Pick me up. I know it's school tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, now being an adult, you know, like you go to a show and there's people from the community or from other communities where you're just like, it's like a great, meeting places just to hang out and even like if you're just hanging out and having a few beers downstairs and you can hear the band, you know, or if you're, if you're there just to like say what's up and it's, it's just a different, it means, it means different things when you get older and and, it's, it's really important that if you want to
0: be involved in your scene to be involved in your scene. Yeah. (laughs) Like just, just play, just playing in a band really isn't enough. Honestly, it's not. And that's a lot of people. Just aren't interested in doing that, and it's like, well, then why are you in this? Why are you doing this? Yeah, if you don't want to go out and meet people and support other bands and go to shows that you're not playing,
1: why? I I know a lot of bands, and and I was I was guilty of this for a few years of like not really knowing where you belong in a scene, like being in a being in a band like Mace Ballard. For those that maybe never heard us or 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 uh, or don't know who we are when we first started or when I first joined the band in 2011, we were definitely in that community of like pop punk bands in Pittsburgh, bands like punchline bands, like the composure bands, like crash city and trophies and before you. And so many of those bands aren't around anymore in four years, aren't a band anymore. So in that time where bands were breaking up and like the pop punk scene was kind of, kind of taking shift. Um, like, the Roboto DIY scene was starting to grow in Pittsburgh. And we started playing a lot of those shows in basements at Two 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 Ormsby, at Roboto, at different houses. Yeah. But we never really fit into that scene either because we sounded different. We, for whatever reason, looked a little different. We, um, We just did things different than those bands. So, like, we never really thought we belonged to a scene like we didn't really belong to the pop punk scene we didn't really belong to like the south side like we weren't really as much as like we love the bands that we those other bands like we're not like bands like world's curious police chases we're not like bands like like barons or Remainder. remainders you know know, but we love those bands and those i mean they're some of our best friends so we've always struggled, we always struggle with like, where do we fit in? Do we, do we fit in with this like kind of polished pop punk scene? Do we fit in with this like beer drinking, bearded punk scene? We're certainly not, we're certainly not afraid to to be in either of those scenes, but which one do we belong to? And then over the last like a couple years, we've kind of just been like, fuck it. You can belong to as many scenes as you want. You know, we have friends, I have friends that are in like the Turbo Yugen, like Turbo Negro yeah, biker yeah. dudes that think Maze ballard's a cool band like i mean that's awesome (laughs) there's no written rule that says you can't you can't be friends with different people and they can't be a fan of your band and you can't support other scenes i'm like i mean i'll go to i'll go to a basement show i'll go to i'll spend 30 bucks and go to stage a or old like you know to me like that's the community it should it gets it gets secularized a lot not secularized it gets um it gets separated a lot and segregated like people think oh well i play a band that like kind of sounds like newfound glory i can't ever play a show with a band that sounds like dillinger four it's like no you well, can't that's <laughs> just somebody that doesn't love music yeah exact, and that's exactly. that, that's where it you is because
0: i mean you know, you're you preaching to the choir as far as not fitting into a scene yeah. like
1: yeah. because
0: with sykes it's just like i don't fucking fit anywhere at all there is no Nobody, there's nobody else doing anything close to what I'm doing. And I'm not saying that in like a arrogant way. It's no, just it's like the there, truth. There yeah. just isn't. It's the truth. So, you know, it was like, well, either I just don't play shows or I just play whatever I want. And that's what I've been doing for a long time. Yeah. You and know. that was,
1: that's kind of like, that was kind of the deciding point for like Mace Ballard was like, you know, we're playing a lot of these basement shows. We're playing a lot of these, these, um, you know, ticketed, really well promoted Nice venue shows, and when you when you get like gratification from both of those scenes, that's when we were like, "There's nothing to worry about. People are gonna like your music, or they're not gonna like your music. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they have a back patch on. It doesn't matter if they have, you know, wingtip shoes on. It doesn't matter if they're wearing <laughs> a fucking shirt and tie. It doesn't, you know, like half of the half of our fans, are friends of ours that aren't involved in music at all." But they support us because they're our friends, and because like we're making cool music. And, sure, like, that's, you know, like, that's the best part of it. I've seen you. Day,
0: I've seen your band play, and you're fun to watch, and that's you know you're entertaining. People go to shows to be entertained, yeah, to see good live music, and yeah. it's like, well, if you're just a good live band and you're not dicks, people will <laughs> like it, even if you know, like even like because like the kind of stuff that you guys do isn't really something that I typically listen to. But, Me neither. <laughs> I, but I enjoy watching you play because it's like this is a group of talented musicians doing what they do well. And this deserves, yeah. you know, 20 minutes of attention. Yeah. So I
1: so many bands over the last, I mean, five years that have came and went that were super talented. I just think it didn't work for them because they 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 either had an identity crisis or the people in the band didn't didn't get along. Um, I think they, that's a big factor. They joined to make music but they they weren't into what they were doing. And that's such a shame because, I mean, some of those bands came and went, and they were awesome bands, and they were pretty promising. But at the same time, and I'm saying this with a shitty smile on my face, it made room for the bands that are now still working and still doing their thing. Hey, so, survival of the, you the cut fittest. the fat out, and yeah, and you figure out what works, and and that's, that's, uh, that's how a scene goes. And I'm sure that someday Mace Ballard will break up, and I'm sure that someday every band I've played in will seem like it was nothing but like then there will be a whole new scene of bands that'll be really fucking awesome to go see and i'll be the grumpy old guy that's like i remember when i was doing that but but it'll be cool because they'll be doing they'll be doing what we were doing
0: i try not to dwell too much on the past or the future honestly like i mean i've done so much yeah and it's sometimes i think about everything that i've done and all the time that i've spent on albums that essentially mean nothing more than just like Now I look back on them and it's like, well, they were learning experiences and, but that's it. You know, nobody Mm -hmm. is listening to these things. I spent months upon months on these things and part of that kills me, but it's like, well, I'm just going to focus on today and what I'm doing now and try to remain being like happy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mace Ballard has been working on, on, on a new record for like two years now. But we wanted we're, we're doing it on our own. We did it on our own, and we wanted it to be the best th- that we ourselves could offer. We wrote so, songs that didn't didn't work, and they didn't fit. And they, you know, of course we've been playing these songs now for like a couple years. But but we want those songs. We want that performance to be something that people remember. And we want we want those songs to be like a really big cool thing.
0: So any uh any ETA on that? Or are you still just um, grinding it out? It's going to be released. You think 2016?
1: 2016, absolutely. Okay. uh, Our artwork is done. The songs have been done. Um, It's going to be really awesome. We're, we're working <laughs> on some cool shows cool we're we're um playing the strip district music fest with gray walker we're actually on the same day and same stage at altar bar so that'll be cool yeah Word. we're really like a, we're only really like 12 hours apart or something okay. <laughs> something <laughs> absurd like that i think we play in the afternoon and you guys play at like 2 a.m or something but yeah. but it'll be rad yeah i mean that's that's a really that's a really cool thing that's happening in the city that uh in january is um just a that's that's like you know getting back to what I was saying about not fitting into a community. That's a festival that includes every area of the community, and that's something that needs to have that ha- needs to happen more. Is those kind of shows and those kind of festivals where every area is being reached? Definitely. Um, so many people book festivals and book these big shows in Pittsburgh, and it only caters to one sound, um, and and that's wrong. That's a wrong way to handle a show. I think. I think that if you're gonna book a show or a festival and you want it to work you need to invite as many different groups of people as possible and and make sure that all of those different voices are heard and being listened to um yeah yeah the mace ballad record coming out it's got artwork it's really fucking awesome um i can't talk a lot about it because there's some stuff uh, yeah some stuff okay we'll talk about it after the microphone okay uh-huh. um but yeah definitely like in the next two months Oh wow! If okay. not, if not, sooner. Very cool. I think. Excited to I hear could it. Could be wrong. <laughs> 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 and then Young Lungs, also another band I play in. Um, we're working on songs. We're playing a ton of shows right now. Um, it's awesome. We actually just played here at Black Forge Coffeehouse last week. Um, oh, yeah. Shout outs to Black Forge yeah, Coffeehouse. Yeah, shout out to Black Forge Coffeehouse. We are. The best place I think right now in Pittsburgh <laughs> for <laughs> everything. It's the best. If you guys aren't here or haven't been here, you need to wake up and yeah, get your asses, you asses over here. fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, there's just tons of new music and tons of cool things and everything that is going on in Pittsburgh right now is awesome. There's so many cool bands that are doing awesome things and there's so many new bands. Every, like, month, there's someone new. Whether they have are new to the Pittsburgh and they're just trying to carve their way in or they're old heads that are yeah. doing something new. I mean, I know so many people that are just doing really cool stuff and um, the scene is, like, it's kind of past that that gray point where like everyone's just ready to support each other and and hang out. And I think that's what scenes need too many scenes and too many cities just like seclude themselves. It's not, it's not cool. And Pittsburgh was like that, I think for a long time. I'm glad that it's over. Yeah, no,
0: it's, I had a, I've been meeting a lot of people recently through Sykes and I'm just like really surprised at the people that, are into what I'm doing and people that are inviting me to play shows. It's just like all over the board as far as genre stuff goes. But it's like, it's really promising to see all of these younger people that are into what I'm doing and into Mm -hmm. different things and just like excited about like cool live performances and not being like clicky and having like it all like sad emo show or all like hardcore show. Just like people wanting to put together fun events.
1: Yeah. I mean, that would, that's how it was when I was, kid i mean i remember going to laga and it would be like a ska band a hardcore band mm-hmm. a punk band a pop punk band uh, an acoustic group and like whether it was a touring package or if it was a local gig and it was like those were the shows that people still in 2016 are talking about oh yeah like, i think cause, like, people still talk about going and seeing like the berlin project and distorted penguins and <laughs> like opening for Finch, yeah, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> it's... or they still talk about like Lesson Jake and alkaline Trio and Anti Flag and dashboard Confessional show. Uh, that's like
0: the, that's the fucking thing is just like and thing that's gonna be the last thing I'm gonna, we're gonna wrap up after this is just like what's really cool about like me playing a show with like an indie rock band or something and then throwing on like an electronic act or something is it's like rather than having like a show that all the bands are the same like from the same click and then you have like the same 30 people that come to all those shows. If you like combine and you get the 30 people that come for like the indie band and like 30 people that might come to see me, it's like, oh, wow, now we have a show with 60 people yeah. and it's different people and people are making new friends and seeing different faces. And it makes going to shows interesting a way again better experience because you don't know what you're getting into. Absolutely. You don't know who's going to be there. And it's, you know, maybe that's uncomfortable for some people, but yeah. for me, I think that it's great
1: i feel like people still have that stigma where it's like oh a show is 15 dollars and there's six bands playing oh i can't do that it's like you realize that that's like less than two dollars a band and Mm -hmm. it's sometimes people get afraid of spending that kind of money because they don't know the kind of bands that are playing like i'm again i'm guilty of that like seeing a friend's band on a bill with like five bands i've never heard of and be like "Eh, i don't really want to go and then like shooting myself in the foot and be like damn i really should have gone to that show cause I'm looking at pictures or I'm looking at clips online and it looks like it was the best time or you miss, you miss a band because you're turned off by like their name or whatever. Like that's so stupid. I hate that shit. (laughs) Uh (laughs) I'm in a band with the dumbest name on the entire planet. And I, (laughs) and, but, uh, but like that's, if you're going to give our band a shot because you think our music sounds cool, that's what matters. Like that's way cooler than, than anything else. It's, I, I like I think for like a good period in like between like 2005 to like 2015 a lot of shows in Pittsburgh especially local shows were just like so saturated it was always the same same bands it was always the same style of music at a show and like I think that that didn't work and people recognize that and like you said now like you go to like Lava Lounge on a Thursday night and it's like a punk band a acoustic group a yeah. electronic group and it's like that's what's cool because. Yeah. You're getting you're getting variety. You're getting new crowds, and you're getting you're getting like new friends. Like you know,
0: definitely. This year,
1: I've I've
0: made so many new friends. I've played so many fucking shows with so many different bands. Yeah, absolutely. It's been wild. It's definitely been like the most productive and fun year that I've had as a musician since I've started doing stuff. Yeah.
1: So I think I think too. Like the last few years, being in like with the way that the scene in Pittsburgh, and I'm not not like any specific scene, but like just the overall music scene in Pittsburgh, it's gotten so much more like stress-free, you know? Like there were definitely periods where things happened where like people were on alert with just different communities and different venues and different people that were involved. But like now that that kind of stuff's disappearing, I think people are just really like out to play. Re- like the bands are just out to play really awesome shows and like reach as many new ears as possible. And the goers, the show goers, just want to have fun. Like, let like lighten up. It's yeah. Wake up! It's twenty fifteen. We're here to. Ha- twenty sixteen. We're, we're here. here to have fun. Yeah, like
0: it's just huh? isn't. It's I it to I, any anybody that's in a band or anybody that goes to a show that has like a shitty attitude all the time. Stop it! It's yeah. like, Why? and like if you don't want to be here why are you here
1: yeah and i think that's what's kind of going on like you said like if you don't want to be here don't be here a lot of the older bands that have like a kind of a shitty attitude or are just not the right attitude they're kind of starting to like realize well maybe we need to like call it quits maybe our time is done and like good yeah i mean it sucks when your favorite band from when your kid breaks up but like there's so many cool new bands in the pittsburgh area that are like really kicking ass and making really awesome music and uh, like we need to definitely like start making room for those bands because mm-hmm. they're going to be the bands that that start to make the biggest noise and the most noise and uh, and they're they're the ones in the next couple of years are going to be like the, the ones that are wanting to have fun and wanting to like do things on their own. You know, I, I know I, specifically there's a band from Pittsburgh called A Lovely Crisis, and those kids fucking rule. They are the coolest kids. They're the best band, and they're they're young. They're fresh. Like they they they're really hardworking kids. And the more that people start to like recognize that, like we need to make room for those kids. Like these kids are the, they're the future. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the youth is our future and they're not much younger than I am, but like, you know, they're, they're bands that are going to circuit and recognized. And like, uh, we got to like, you know, if you're unhappy playing in a band because you, you can't draw five or 10 people get on, you know, don't be afraid to get on a show with a band that might be able to draw like, 20. if you get if you get five bands that can each draw 10 people that's 50 people that's better than playing in front of no one so i don't know man i mean i still like playing in front of no one because <laughs> if you mess up no one's there to judge you <laughs> and i mess up all the time
0: <laughs> all right well hey thanks for coming here yeah
1: man to black forge coffee house for this little talk <laughs> let's Let's do part two sometime we got there's like i feel like there's a lot more non-music related things to talk about yeah we could we could have talked about we could have probably done a whole podcast on like horror movies and metal bands yeah we should do that sometime we could have
0: talked more about wrestling too yeah (laughs) next time all right cool well hey thanks for doing it and we're gonna stop this right now and that is all folks thanks so much for listening hope you enjoyed the conversation steve good dude like that guy glad we finally got to sit down and talk over some coffee i would do it again anytime so yeah fuck it looks like this is the last episode of 2015 doesn't it fuck it's been quite a year But, you know, we'll be back again next week with another episode, I think. I was thinking about taking January off again. I did that last year, uh, just like a reset button to, uh, you know, stock up. I recorded a bunch of episodes and then came back swinging in February. Uh, I was thinking about doing it. I actually don't have any episodes recorded right now. might not be the worst idea. I'm not sure. I might schedule something this week and then just do it, stick with it we already, we took a lot of breaks this year for things, uh, releasing an album, had to take a break, had my fucking shit stolen, had to take a break, moved into a new house, had to take a break, uh, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get out as many episodes this year as I wish I would've, uh, but, it's not that bad, I'm about, I think in the first year, I, I got about 40 episodes out, and this year, I got about 30, so 10 short. Not too bad. I'm still doing it, doing what I can. I'm blabbing. Anyways, maybe I'll be back next week. I'm not sure yet. We'll figure it out. But anyways, no matter what, I'm Sykes. Start the beat. 2015. It's the last time I get to say that. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.